Hello and welcome to the What The Heck podcast. I'm your host, Glenn. Every week I explore something unexplained, talk about what it is and look at what else it could possibly be. Research is done as academically as possible and references will be given after the stories. This first week, there's an episode every day. Today, I'm looking at the zombie phenomenon and the Haitian folklore that surrounds it. I have some stories of zombies, and an explanation for you. Before I begin, I need to explain that I'm going to be using the term voodoo priest a lot in this episode. I'm unsure whether it's the correct term anymore, so if there is a problem with that, please don't hesitate to contact me. All of the contact details will be at the end of the episode. Once, a voodoo priest fell in love with a woman. She was engaged to another man and rejected the priest's advances. As he left, he was heard muttering threats. After a few days, the woman died. Her family brought her to the village for burial, but the coffin they had ordered was too short and the woman's neck had to be bent for her to fit. The bad luck didn't end there either because at the wake, someone accidentally dropped a cigarette on the woman's foot, burning it. Life went on and the family mourned. After a few months, they began to hear stories of another woman looking like the deceased woman being seen in the company of the voodoo priest. With little evidence to go on, the stories were ignored and forgotten. Years passed and the whole ordeal had been forgotten until the deceased woman appeared at her family's door. As it turned out, the priest had repented, releasing all of his zombie slaves. She was later identified by many people who had attended the funeral, noting the bent neck and burnt foot. In the Magic Island, a 1929 book by William B. Seabrook, there are details of what happens when the zombie's master makes a mistake. A voodoo priest named Joseph had many zombies that he used as cane cutters for a company on Haiti. Joseph's wife was in charge of looking after the zombies. She made one mistake by feeding them candy that had salted peanuts in it. Once the zombies had eaten the peanuts, they all began to leave for their home villages. When they arrived, their families recognised them and tried to talk to them but the zombies just carried on in an unstoppable wave to the cemetery. There, they tried to dig themselves back into their graves. Being unable to find or use shovels, the zombies began digging with their hands. According to the book, when they touched the soil of their graves, the zombies lost all life and became rotting corpses. On a trip to Haiti, French anthropologist Georges de Roquet was allowed to observe four zombies with his guide Baptiste. This was an unusual opportunity for a Caucasian man. He was told not to touch the zombies. In his journal, George wrote, Toward evening we encountered a group of four male figures coming from the nearby cotton field where they had been toiling. 
I was struck by their peculiar shambling gait, most unlike the lithe walk of other natives. The overseer with them stopped their progress, enabling me to observe them closely for some minutes. They were clothed in rags made from sacking. Their arms hung down by their sides, dangling in a curiously lifeless fashion. Their faces and hands appeared devoid of flesh, the skin adhering to the bones like wrinkled brown parchment. I also noticed that they did not sweat, although they had been working and the sun was still hot. The most arresting feature about them was their gaze. They all stared straight ahead, their eyes dull and unfocused as if blind. My immediate impression was that these creatures were imbeciles made to work for their keep. Baptiste, however, assured me that they were indeed the zombies. That is, dead persons resurrected by sorcery and employed as unpaid labourers. De Roquet watched the overseer take the zombies to a tiny, windowless shed and lock them in. He suggested to Baptiste that they go and investigate, but Baptiste became frightened and insisted that they leave, telling De Roquet that his gun would likely be a useless defence in Haiti. A wealthy man got out of his car to change a tyre and was approached by a small, bearded, elderly man who said he could get help and suggested the man should return to his flat just outside the village for coffee. On the way, the elderly man confessed that he had cast a spell to cause the flat tyre and, over coffee, told the wealthy man that there was an evil charm in his car. Noting the wealthy man's disbelief, the elderly man asked if the wealthy man remembered someone called Celestine, who had died six months earlier. The wealthy man did know Celestine, and the elderly man cracked his whip six times. The door opened, and a man walked backwards into the room. On the elderly man's order, the man turned around to reveal that he was, in fact, the deceased Celestine. He was not how the wealthy man remembered, standing unmoving, head hanging, utterly expressionless, speechless and giving no sign of recognition. Celestine was a zombie. The elderly man explained what had happened. Celestine had died from a sorcerer's spell and been turned into a zombie. He had then been sold to the elderly man for $12. In 1959, a zombie was said to have shambled into a village, ending up in the courtyard of a private house. The resident apprehended the zombie and tied its hands before taking it to the police station. The police, once they realised what was going on, gave the zombie a glass of salt water. The zombie seemed to regain his senses and told the police his name. It turned out that he had an aunt in the village who was called to clarify the situation. The aunt identified the man and swore he had died four years ago and that she had attended the funeral. The man was questioned by a Catholic priest and told him that he was just one of many thralls of a voodoo priest. The police, terrified of the priest, offered to return the man. Two days later, he was discovered dead, believed to have been killed by revealing the voodoo priest's actions. The priest was arrested for murder. 
Unfortunately, the other zombies weren't rescued because the priest's wife had rounded them up and escaped into the hills. When we talk about zombies, we automatically think of the walking dead or dawn of the dead. That makes sense, since they're the only zombies we get shown in the media. But the zombies in these stories seem to be the victims of a magic spell or something similar. What does the folklore say about it? The earliest references to zombies are associated with slavery and connected to African traditions. The word zombie, without the E, first appeared in an American newspaper in 1838. The story tells of an African slave who claimed that a zombie would go to Bartolome Esteban Murillo's art studio at night and work on the paintings. Nobody believed the man and dismissed the existence of the zombie as an African myth. The story snowballed, causing many different variations of the story to appear. By the mid-1800s, zombies were associated with a creature of African origin that willingly performed services for white people. Although they are called Haitian zombies, there are many other references to similar entities in Africa and the Caribbean. In Haitian folklore, a zombie is an animated corpse devoid of free will and cognition. It's said that the body's soul is imprisoned and held by magical means, allowing its master to control the body. The slavery symbolism is impossible to ignore here, and it was used by European slave drivers to instill fear in their slaves. This fear lowered the suicide rate among slaves due to their fear of being zombified and being slaves even in death. The idea of using magic to create zombies isn't too far removed from the truth, actually. In Haiti, there is still a law dating back to 1883 that makes it illegal to try and turn someone into a zombie. And even to this day, voodoo practitioners maintain the belief that there is some kind of elixir, potion or drug that can turn the living into zombies. The famous story of Clarivius Narcisse speaks of him being drugged daily to keep him in a trance-like state for about two years. This state is enough for the victims to seem dead, which leads to them being buried alive until the person who drugged them can dig them up and take them to somewhere to be put to work for as long as necessary. Scientists have obtained the formula for the drug, which contains one or more species of pufferfish, which contain tetrodotoxins. This neurotoxin is potent enough to cause the symptoms of zombification. Over the years, zombies have evolved into something horrific and fictitious. This evolution began in 1920 with William B. Seabrook's book, The Magic Island. This was the first introduction of the concept of zombies to a lot of Americans. In 1932, the Bela Lugosi film White Zombie was released, detailing a fictional story of a man who created a zombie from a woman he wanted to be with. From there, 
it evolved further. Night of the Living Dead by George A. Romero told the story of a radioactive satellite falling to Earth and reviving the dead. The film made history by casting a black actor in a lead role. Over the years, the causes have changed, ranging from a virus to a mutation of genes. But since Romero's first film, the zombies have remained rotting corpses returned to life. All stories from today's episode came from the 1982 Reader's Digest book, Mysteries of the Unexplained, pages 110 to 113. The Haitian folklore came from an article on NPR titled Zoinks, Tracing the History of Zombie from Haiti to the CDC, and an article from Messy Nessie Chic, Cabinet of Curiosities, titled The Buried African Folklore Behind the Pop Culture Zombie. The explanations came from the 1982 Reader's Digest book, Mysteries of the Unexplained, page 113, the Messy Nessie article, and an article from the Journal of Ethnopharmacology titled The Ethnobiology of the Haitian Zombie. References for the episode and links to studies will be posted on social media for you to have a look at. Speaking of social media, you can currently find me on Facebook at What The Heck Mystery Podcast, Instagram at WT Heck Podcast, and you can also support me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Watch The Heck Podcast. Currently, there are no tiers to the Patreon, but once the ball starts rolling, there will be tiers with extra special things for you. I've also set up an email address, watchtheheckpod3 at gmail.com. I'd like you to send in your stories of the unexplained so I can read them out in secondary episodes. But if you have any issues with my phrasing or think some of the things that I've said are insensitive, please don't be afraid to let me know and I'll address them in episodes as I record them. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next episode. (laughs) 